were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commanded, commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast, Season 2. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Jeremy Boyd. I'm Alex. And uh, we're glad to be back. Good to be back. It's good to be back. We're actually recording this before I've even had time to edit the last one, so I'm, I'm a little get I'm getting behind That's on okay. my work, you know? I think you guys are going to start withholding my paychecks yes. soon. If that... I think we've already been doing that. <laughs> so I guess the worker is not worth his wages? I guess like... not. I mean, what do we hold over your head when you're not uh, performing here? That's right. <laughs> well, welcome back. Um, I want to give a shout out to our unofficial sponsor, Kawartha Classical Christian School. Check out KawarthaClassical.com. We are coming to uh, the time of year when you want to be thinking about where the kids are going next year. Yeah. Right. Hopefully people have already registered. But uh, if you don't know yet, check us out. We've got um, a fantastic team of teachers and the principal and great students, lovely students who uh, love learning. Mm-hmm. They love learning uh, all the classical tools of education that mm-hmm. they're being taught. So great yeah, stuff. Yeah, we had our Olympics day today. And uh, I don't know if it was our second or our third. We, it, we've done it before. Anyways, it's an annual event where we go through a series of events, um, athletic events, competitions. And it was so encouraging to see um, that the the combination in the in the students of encouragement and support for everyone who participated yeah and yet very competitive did anybody get caught juicing <laughs> not caught <laughs> not caught no we haven't we haven't entered into the usada pool but, but uh the russian team didn't come then i guess yeah yeah so i mean what you usually get what you usually get is that people are really competitive at the expense of their peers, right? right? And or you get people who are not competitive, and you're encouraged, you know, kind of like just participating as a value. And you know, we want to we want to teach our students to give themselves fully to whatever it is. Yep. And, and athletic competition is is crucial to their development as well. And we right. so we want them to give their best, to try their hardest, and they work super hard. Um, but the whole school rallies around everyone and. It's just inspiring to see students who, you know, we have, there's obviously in every class um, kind of a disparity between gifting and athletic ability and stuff. And, and you, you have people celebrating the accomplishments of those at the top and you have people encouraging those at the bottom. Mm. And, and even the people who aren't as gifted that way, they feel motivated to give their best. Like right. it's not like oh this is just for those people, right? So yeah, that was just something worth mentioning. It's a special thing that we have going on, and you don't. I've never seen this. I played a lot of sports in school, and you just you you just don't get that encouragement and that teamwork and that competitiveness together, right? You rarely see that. Nice. So sign your kids up; they can become legends. That's right. It's cheaper than daycare. That's true. <laughs> and better. And better. And they, they won't come out woke. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, we got an official sponsor, too, Upper40.com. 
Yeah. Check him out. He's making some good music, putting out some good stuff. Yeah, I think he's got another single dropping soon. He made mention to me. Okay. Getting some mixed and mastered. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cooking up. Very good. And as always, like and subscribe, you know. Yeah. It, it really does help. Yeah. Um, if you're on YouTube go go somewhere else we got we put everything on youtube and rumble just uh we're not big enough to get canceled yet but uh eventually uh, we will be although our our co-episode with the liberty dispatch that's right did get pulled that's right if you guys heard the episode we did with uh, andrew and matt yeah uh within 24 hours that got pulled down somebody and the crazy thing was there was nothing dis- I didn't know anything that we said was currently disputed. Yeah, somebody said the word shamdemic, I think. Maybe that got it. Yeah, or, I said that. Yeah. Um, I, who knows? I mean, they, YouTube, the platform itself, transcribes every video you put up. Oh, I did not know this. You can you can download a transcription of any video on YouTube. Huh. There's a, there's a, I forget how to do it. I think you go to the closed captioning thing and there's a, a dialogue in there. And oh. so it would be easy for them to just read through all the transcripts and you know flag certain words. But uh, all right, yeah. Well, yeah. Go, go, <laughs> like and subscribe. To our Dominion um, Press. Substack. dot com. Yes, and um, you can subscribe there. We're sending a weekly couple articles per week. Ben is crushing it. Yeah, he's been he's been laying down the heat. Yeah, he the uh, the. Uh, open letter to Canadian pastors went pretty far and wide. Yeah, we got, I mean, the first week we had about 7,000 people read that. Oh, really? Yeah. I stopped counting at six. No. Okay, and it's still climbing. Yeah, it is, yeah. Well, we hope that bears fruit, you know? Yeah. Casting our bread on the waters. We'll see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just noticed tonight, too, that uh, if you become a, you know, a blue, Twitter blue subscriber, you can upload up to eight gigs of video. At a time. At a time. So each like video two can hours. be up to eight. Yeah. Wow. So, so they're getting into that game. Yeah, they're getting into that game, which is good to see because YouTube is just ridiculous at this point. Yeah. Like what you have to censor yourself to say. And yeah, there's no there's no long term there's no long term play there. No. So it's just unfortunate that it is the biggest platform. Yeah. But it won't be for long if they keep kicking people off. Yeah. So yeah. Well, we kind of we had something lined up for tonight that fell through, so we're just going to kind of shoot the breeze a little bit. Yeah. Have a little chin wag, talk. <laughs> <laughs> just do some jawing, you know. <laughs> are we in Canada or are we down in like Louisiana right now? Louisiana. I figured like you would know all of these sayings, you know, being a country boy and all that. Yeah, country bumpkin. Yep. <laughs> Well, you know what? The conversation about YouTube and censorship and these platforms is a good segue to what I did want to talk about in all in all seriousness. And um, one of the things that we need to recognize as Christians is that nothing in this world is free. You get what you pay for. The biblical principle is: if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't have a sense of entitlement. And um, we have grown up in a time of affluence, which is which is historically and even currently geographically absolutely unprecedented. Yeah. And one of the dangers that comes with that degree of affluence and prosperity is that you begin to expect those things apart from the work and the labor that's required to build those things. Right. So when when we say um, when we're talking about social media for example, people think that it's free. It's not free. No. 
there's a cost to social media. What you're either paying, um, either you're subscribing to something, or most likely they're they're selling advertisements. That's how mm-hmm. they make their money with your information, yeah. and they're selling your information to do it. So you are actually giving up something in order to get that service. It's not actually free. People think about this with public education and with public health care as well. They think that, well, it's we want to keep it free. It's like, excuse me. Yep. There is no such thing as free health care in you, Canada. Did you look at your last pay stub? Yeah. Like, it's not free. Yeah. You're paying for it. Yeah. What, you're well, paying what, for garbage. Yeah. One of these think tanks... <laughs> I wish I could remember. I'm, I'm subscribed to them. They're a Canadian think tank, but they did a the Fraser Institute. Maybe, yeah, maybe the Fraser Institute. They did a study, and the average Canadian gives seven thousand dollars a year. I think it was to healthcare. So people are like, "You got to keep it free. You got to keep it affordable." It's like, okay, do you think seven thousand dollars a year is affordable? And you might say yes. Like that's better than a hundred thousand dollars, and and that's totally fine. I bet you can get cheaper insurance than that. And I think it was like seven to forty. Like that wasn't the upper right limit to what people pay, depending on their tax bracket. Well, healthcare accounts for I believe almost fifty percent of our federal spending, right? Which is just mind blowing. Yeah. So half of half of all your tax dollars are going to support the healthcare system. Yeah, and what what uh, Jonathan Wellen was telling us is over fifty percent of our GDP goes to our federal government. So if you think of fifty percent or fifty three percent of your GDP is going to the federal government, if fifty percent of that is being spent on, it's an absolutely obscene. Yeah, and we have the lowest, some of the lowest performance in our healthcare. Yep. It's like what you get dollar for dollar is so shameful and it's getting worse but anyways where i'm going with this is that people need to get off of this entitled mindset and this mindset that we should we we get things apart from working for them yeah and i and i really want to lean into this on this episode and and talk about this idea because um we stand at this precipice as a culture where the life and the values and the institutions that we have come to enjoy and to um, they have been a blessing for our country for a very long time are absolutely crumbling. Mm-hmm. That the you know the media, Canadian media, historically CBC is is just middle of the road. Like I remember, I'm 37, but I remember watching CBC, not just Hockey Night in Canada, but their little their little excursions that they did around the country, and it's just there wasn't really even anything political. Like it wasn't part yeah. partisan. It was just like talking to Canadians and letting them speak. I mean, the news in general used to be like this. You didn't hear the talking heads talk so much. Like it was like the people that they were interviewing got to talk. Right. Now it's like you tell your narrative over everything. Yeah. But but even the, the media, um, we can't trust the media, obviously, to to be unbiased. And increasingly the, the bias that they possess is, is a, a foolish and destructive one. Mm-hmm. It, you know, education is a gong show. Health, health is a gong show. Um, the churches are in a mess in our country. You know, families are in a mess in our country. Like everything's in a mess. And I think, I think one of the things, one of the obstacles that we have at this present moment is very few Christians are willing to realize and to respond to the fact that we are needing to build again. And what it takes to be someone who shows up to a new land to build, and what it takes to be someone who enjoys the fruit of that person's labor, 
are two different people. Yeah. And what we are as a culture is we're the ones who like to sit in and enjoy the soaring views and the, you know, beautiful acoustics of a cathedral, but we're not the ones who want to build it. Some people had to go there and clear the ground first. They had to go clear the ground. Yeah. And we have to recognize that there's, again, the other obstacle is immediacy. So we, we want everything now. We want everything quickly. That's why everyone's debt is enormous because they don't want to wait and to save and whatever. They want to get things now. Well, we need to realize that the, the kind of projects that the Lord wants us to give ourselves to, our families, our churches, schools, um, you know, even, even moving on, businesses, these things actually require a long-term investment. Mm-hmm. These are things that, um, you know, you need to be willing to practice patience and long-suffering and, um, and, and frankly, hope. You know, one of the examples I give in our congregation is, is from the Little House on the Prairie and the, the, the great example that her father was in the stories. And if you think about the level of work and the absolute um, lack of any guarantee of success. Mm-hmm. You set it on your wagon. You literally don't know where you're going. Like there's no one. There's no one calling you. Yeah, you don't know what the climate's going to be like, or what the plants are going to be. You like. You don't know and, anything. And you get out there, and then they they build the, several places, and one of them, you know, his entire crop is wiped out one year. It's like. Do you understand what that actually means? Do you understand the kind of labor and sacrifice and hopes that went into that? And he just, you know, he plays his fiddle and starts again. But um, I feel like very few people today are willing to do that. The other thing is we live in an absolute crisis of personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And what this means, see, when you have all these mediating institutions, you can be a consumer. Yeah. You could say that someone else will take the responsibility to provide these services for me. And we have an absolute crisis of personal responsibility. Now, it's not just a cultural thing. Like the abdication of responsibility is a human sinfulness thing. So this is a proclivity that we have in us that goes back to our first father, Adam. Mm-hmm. The, the Lord said, this is who are, what you are to be and to do and to take dominion. He fails at it, and what does he do? He hides and he blames. Yeah. And what 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 the Lord Jesus Christ does is he comes and he takes responsibility not only as the perfect sinless man, but for all his progeny, mm-hmm. you know, for all of us. And he bears the consequences of our failures so that we can have the blessings of his righteousness. Mm-hmm. And what he what should happen in Christians is that we are we are born again and we are we are endowed with this burden of responsibility that we carry joyfully i was just listening to an interview i don't know if you heard this where um uh, they were talking about the bail reform that's needed polyev was talking to a reporter and our in our bail system is absolutely insane like if you look into it like he was quoting i think from vancouver the same 30 people, 40 people, I think, have been arrested thousands of times. It was like 150 times each per year. So these thousands of crimes that are committed are committed by basically just 40 people. And 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 they're just let out. You know what I mean? 150 crimes per year on average. The reporter is actually saying, but don't you think we should deal with the reasons why they do this? It's like, 
No. He was basically saying, <laughs> shouldn't society and the system yeah. say, it's not your fault that you raped someone. It's not your fault that you yeah. stole someone. It's not your fault that you beat someone. That's not the point of the justice system. No. Right? The point of the justice system is to protect the public from dangerous people. A hundred percent. And retribute what- Who cares what the what the reason is? Yeah. Like, and what justice does as well is it upholds the value of the victim. Right. So the problem with this too is it's fake compassion. Yeah. It's like, you want to sound like you care about these people it's like what you're you know, saying is he should get out and rape someone why don't you take him into your house and, yeah. and be his social worker yeah. and, and go to work and buy him food and give him a place to, you know like and, it's, that's and, never the solution but, it's always somebody else's problem well and if he does anything wrong you're on the hook yeah because that's the thing it's like 150 crimes that these that these guys are committing there's victims in these crimes yeah so what you're saying is i don't Act under the guise of being compassionate to this person, I don't actually care about victims. Yeah, I want to look like I care about victims. And I just realized this is, I asked Ben to write on this, but what you have is a total inversion where personal responsibility is actually seen as a bad thing. Yeah. And this is the impulse of a guilty populace. The reason you feel this way intuitively, the reason your sense of justice is so perverted that you completely lack care for your neighbors. You completely mm-hmm. lack compassion for the victims. And if you're, you're guilty. And if you if you don't want to face the responsibility of your own actions, you have to let the other guy off the hook uh, too. That's right? that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like a guilty population yeah. who in their conscience they don't want justice. They don't want consequences. Yeah. They want a freedom from that. And so they paint it in this compassionate sounding language. I'm like, this is the world we live in? Mm-hmm. You know, Joshua Alexander was arrested in Vancouver. You can watch the video, or sorry, Calgary. You can watch the videos. He's literally physically assaulted by this mob. And the cops go in and arrest him. And they told him, they didn't charge him. They told him that he was... Um, he said inflammatory. Inflammatory. It's like... So you're the reason they attacked you. It's like... That's like telling a black person it's their fault that racists don't like them. It's like, you made them angry. It's like, yeah, yeah that's their problem. Yep. You know what I mean? Or like telling a Jew that a Nazi doesn't like him. It's like, well, if you didn't come here, they wouldn't be angry. Yeah, if you it's weren't like, so Jewy, then they wouldn't hate you so much. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> well, that's not my problem. Yeah. So they're saying that it's basically a yeah. crime to be hated. And so it's this inversion of responsibility. It's like, yeah. no, they're responsible for their actions and their thoughts. Mm-hmm. I'm not responsible for their actions and their thoughts. Yeah, but it, so what this that particular thing is showing, though, is that we're willing to do anything to support whatever the narrative is. Yeah. Right? And so the narrative is that these people are the victims and this person's the aggressor. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how ridiculous of a thing you have to say. You know, he gets assaulted and you have to say something ridiculous like, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't have gone out, you know, wearing a short skirt. You know, it's like, you know, essentially what they're saying. Oh, yeah. So they'll say whatever ridiculous thing they have to in order to justify their position. Yeah. 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 It's it's absolutely ridiculous. But to get back to your point about, so, you know, this all centers around personal responsibility. Yeah. And the willingness to... um to have long-term goals and, and learn to do stuff. As you were talking about that, I just think like, what would happen if 
you know, what would happen if uh, the internet went down and the electrical grid went down? Yeah. And we had no electricity um, and, you know, no internet or anything like that. Like, would we know how to rebuild it? Yeah. If you took a hundred men yeah. and said, all right, let's get all of our expertise together. We want to build a power station and water pumps to get running water. Like, would we be able to do it with a hundred guys? If they're like you, yes. If they're like me, no. <laughs> but you know, but seriously. Like, what would happen if Google went under? What would happen if you, you didn't get free internet services? Yeah. Like, again, it's not free. Google services aren't free. If you're using a Google phone, it's handy stuff. Like, yeah. the drive, the pictures, it's very handy. Um, but you can get all those things for a cost somewhere else yeah. and not have your information shared mm-hmm. and you know monetized. But it involves either paying for it or learning how to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, would people know how to set up their own email address without Gmail? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just not stuff people know how to do. Well, you're not you're not encouraged to, right? Because there's yeah. a profit to be made by your 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 ignorant compliance. Mm-hmm. And so, where where I want to kind of shift this conversation is say, look, we do have a task in taking dominion. And that means starting families. It means planting churches. It means starting mediating institutions where the truth is dispersed, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, like our podcast, like Dominion Press, whether it be a school, whether a it be, pardon? A, like a guild? Yeah, a guild. Know, like- yeah. And um, starting businesses and, you know, higher education, healthcare, all of these things. You know, this is this is how we glorify God. This is what it means to actually take dominion, to live every you know, square inch of our life under his rule and to rule over creation in his name. Well, if that's true, and, and we can't rely on these institutions, well, then we have to develop a, a builder mindset. We have mm-hmm. to develop a, a pioneer mindset. And I'm just thinking of the words of Christ when he says to the disciples, you know, <laughs> follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Like, yeah, they had no idea where they were going. They left their source of income. They they went into a situation that they didn't have the guarantee of success in. They didn't have the guarantee of anything. In, but they knew that the Lord Jesus Christ was worth following. Mm-hmm. And more of us need that attitude that we we can't say for sure Today, tomorrow, I'll be in this city. The scriptures say that's wicked to say this. You don't know what you're going to do that tomorrow. But we can say every day we're gonna we're gonna make the most of it for God's glory, and make the most of it means bearing up under the burden of starting things, mm-hmm. of building things, of pioneering things, and the risk that they may not work, and the risk that they might not work, and and risk and failure is not bad. In, inherently. Mm-hmm. And um, you, I mean, I think Jonathan touched on that when he was on our podcast. Like, I think he made that comment yeah. with businesses is don't, some will fail and some won't. And that's not a reason not to do it. Yeah. I think he specifically said if businesses don't fail, then you're incentivizing um, incompetence. R- reliance and incompetence. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. when a business fails because of incompetence, it should fail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and Christians need to, you know, jumping back to the social media thing, like Christians Christians need to build platforms. Like Christians need to why why are we relying on we're experiencing the fruit of relying on pagans for everything that we have. 
All right, I just got an idea for a new social media platform. Okay, let's hear it's it. It's called Facebook. Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Don't call it Facebook. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that if we Googled that, that would be it's a thing. Pro- it's probably a thing. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a you know Kevin Sorbo movie or something yeah. like that. Is he the only Christian actor besides Kirk Cameron? Um, but Kirk Cameron doesn't get invited to those movies anymore now that he's a post-millennialist. <laughs> yeah, now that he's not a Disby. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny, eh? Well, I mean, would he, he probably wouldn't want to be in the Left Behind movies anymore. Well, no, of course not. Yeah, But they yeah, they definitely wouldn't invite him. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he wouldn't show up. Yeah, he wouldn't show up. Yeah. So we, so anyway, all that to say, we, we have cathedrals to build. And where we are presently at our time is we are at the clearing the land stage. Mm-hmm. And we need Christians to, to, um, to grow up and to bear up under the weight of that and to accept that we have a task. We have a task as men mm-hmm. and as women today, the fruit of which we probably won't see. And this is in line with scripture. I planted, a, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Like, he, you know, Paul is saying that um, he's doing a part of this, and Apollos comes over there and does his mm-hmm. thing, and then God produces something out of it. But Paul didn't actually see the fruit a lot of the time of what he did. Yeah. And another man got to reap the rewards, so to speak, of that. And... um you have to be content with that. Mm-hmm. Like, and it really reveals what are you working for? Like, if you're working for the glory of God, you're, you are content with delayed gratification. You are content with a fruit and a result that is something you won't experience immediately. So how do we, how do we make this a multi-generational mindset? Yeah, because it's easy when you grow up, like you said, like we did. We grew up in cathedrals, in yeah. families, and houses. Um, you know, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. So how do we how do we pass that on so that it doesn't just get lost after one generation of fervor? Yeah. Well, I think I think part like, the biggest thing is that your children imitate you in that, and so if they see that you give yourself to those kinds of tasks, they're more likely to pick up the torch, as it were. Mm. But if you can't you can't just sit on your phone and be passive and enjoying the fruit of other people's labor while you lecture your children to get out there and right. build something. It's like, okay, well what are you building? You know, are you engaged yeah. in your church? And, and I suppose it's a big world. There's a lot of untamed areas out there. Yeah. Right? I mean you ever flown over Canada? Yeah. There's a lot of land needs clearing. Yeah, there's a lot of land. <laughs> but even if we, th- we could talk about this in every area. But I mean, if you think about entrepreneurship, C.R. Wiley's book, um, The Household, this yeah. was the, the household, household and the War for the Cosmos. One of the observations. Great book. Yeah, it is a great yeah. book. Yeah. And um, one of the observations he made is that when America was founded, I think he said it was over 80% sole proprietorship. Yeah. Nancy Piercy goes into this in one of her books as well. Does I she? I can't remember which book. It might have been Total Truth or something like that. Or, okay. Yeah. Which means that basically it was home businesses. Yeah. And, and the business was a family affair. It was a family affair. Yeah. And everyone, it was kind of all hands on deck. And I don't have a business. I mean, we, we run two nonprofits or a nonprofit, a charity, and a church. We're a part of those things. Um, 
But my children have benefited from seeing that and participating in that. Like mm-hmm. when we have people over to our house for a meal, we Rebecca tells this story about how, I don't know how old she was, but she was old enough to speak, Grace. And we had a night where it was just us at the table. And she said something to the effect of, well, where is everyone? Yeah. <laughs> and, and we're like, we're all right here. And she's like, well, is it just us? Where's all the other people? Yeah, it just was so <laughs> not normal for her yeah. to just see a table with just us at it. And I don't think you need to open your home the way that, to the same degree, but our children grow. Like, they love being a part of a school that mom and dad started mm-hmm. and that their friends' parents started and that they're they're the pioneers. Like, they take great pride and a good sense in that. And they know that it takes work and labor and prayer and sacrifice. And I mean, I'm excited for what they'll go on to do. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you have to cultivate that by leading an example. So with the business thing, I mean, I've been encouraging guys. I mean, um, Tristan's a great example. You know, he's starting up his business now. Yep. And he's saying, look, if I want to have the freedom to be here for my family in a particular way to deal with my family's needs long term, then I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to take the risk um of starting something that could fail, but to what what's the SAS? The uh um what's the slogan of the SAS? To, he who dares wins. Right. It's true. It's like, well, you you know you don't like your boss, you don't like your wages, you don't like this, you don't like that. It's like, well then do it. Yeah. Even if you like all those things. Sometimes that's what makes it hard to start your own thing. So, and that's kind of the boat you were in, right? Yeah, I was like content. you had a good, good gig, content with my job. I was happy with that. Yeah. So, what was the what was some of the impulses? Like, partly it was theological for you. Oh, 80%. was it mainly a theological thing? Mainly, yeah. I mean, I had been listening to C.R. Wiley. I'd yeah. been listening to these other guys talk about the need for Christians to be uh, not just being laborers, but actually providing stuff for other people. Yes. And so I thought, you know, I'm working for another company right now. I can't provide work for any of the young men in the chapel. Yeah. If I go on my own and things are successful, I'll be able to do that. I'll be able to hire somebody. So there was that. Um, It's multiplying the blessing. Yeah. And being able to, being able to bless people when I want to, it's like, yeah, yeah, I could do, I could do pro bono work now and it's my call. Yeah. Right. It's not somebody else's call. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That was that was the biggest thing, and then of course there was all like just going through the pandemic, the shamdemic was uh, enough, you know, push me in that in yeah. that way further because now now you're at the whim of the HR department and all this stuff, and it's like uh, HR departments are just wacko. I don't want to have anything to do with them. Dude, HR departments are just straight evil. What is it with that particular realm of business that it got completely taken over? Because it's authority. Woke. It's authority without responsibility. That's what it is. But like accounting, like the accounting people aren't like that. It's just the HR people come out and they have they all think exactly the same. No, but there's no con like. The accounting has to be precise. It's concrete. Right. You're either yeah. right or you're wrong. Yeah. The HR department, you can hide behind your letters and your computers and put policy in that controls and mm-hmm. has authority over people, but you don't ever bear the consequences. Right. Like the person who makes that policy doesn't 
They have all the power and they have none of the responsibility. Like, take the jab. And if you get hurt, well, it's not my fault. Yeah, it appeals to the worst kind of people. Yeah. Like, human resources, in theory, is can be a good thing in the sense of managing your human yeah, resources. big companies need people to manage people. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's it's a necessary thing. It's just funny how the whole industry went crazy woke. Yeah, but it's consistent with the actual structure of it. Right. Like, you, it, it's a dysfunction in any relationship where authority and responsibility are not correlated. Right. When you separate those things in any relationship, a business, a family, a friendship, a government, anything, it becomes a, it becomes dysfunctional. Yeah. And abusive. So, yeah. so anyway, that's that's the long and short of it. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was happy. I. I thought uh, my work was good. I enjoyed the work. I'm enjoying my work better now. Yeah, which I thought I would, um, or I, I was pretty sure I would. And so there's there's also a personal fulfillment for me, being able to make your own schedule somewhat. You know, unless things are really busy, and then you're kind of at the whim of the phone. But yeah, um, you get more freedom over. Overall. So was there a time where you, in between, when you you know I'm gonna I'm resigning kind of thing. And I've got work where you were nervous about it. Oh, yeah, the whole time. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. He didn't really talk about that. No. Or we haven't talked about that. Yeah, I mean, actually, it was like the closer I got, you know, I would just wake up in the morning in bed thinking, right, all I have to do right now is put my pants on and get in my truck. Yeah. And somebody else takes care of finding the work and bringing me the work. Yeah. But in two weeks, I'm just going to wake up. And if there's no work, I get no money. Yeah. You know, so there was a bit of that. But honestly, I, I haven't really had any downtime. Yeah. So it's been good. Well, praise God. Yeah, indeed. But it, but it, but it took you actually taking a risk. That's what I'm kind of yeah. driving at. Like it wasn't, you didn't just have this thing handed to you. It's like, yeah, this, I could. I feel like, I feel like I did. I mean, I haven't really done any promotional material or anything. Right. So in one sense, it's been, um, it's been handed to me. Yes. Well, the the market is good. The market is good. Yeah. So there was other factors. And as the well. scriptures tell you know they tell us to count the cost of things, and it's not wrong for us to, for example, do our market research mm-hmm. and to think about um, think about the cost. That's fine. The the the, the faithfulness doesn't equal recklessness, mm-hmm. but at times it will look reckless. You know, at times you won't be able to justify or or. Or say for certain what the outcome will be yep. quite often. Um, but the Lord actually, and it comes down to, do you believe that this is our Father's world? Mm-hmm. Like, is God is God a present reality for you? And you really know that when you run up to the end of your own limits and your own power and your own strength, your own resources, and you feel like the ne- you know that the next three steps are beyond that. Mm-hmm. It's like, what what is sustaining you at that moment? Is it that what well, God will provide for me? That I am walking in obedience. Like I am living in wisdom. I'm I'm living in the with the grain of reality according to Scripture, and come what may, I can have a good conscience about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we need Christians to adapt a pioneer mindset, a building mindset, and we need to start. We need to support institutions that speak the truth. We need to support support businesses that are Christian businesses that do good business. We need to be connected to our local church and to be faithful members, to think about 
you know, not just not just the next year or the next season, but the next 30, 40, 50 years. Think about our children. <clears throat> what kind of church are we handing over to them? Mm-hmm. To not be consumer Christians, to not just sit in the pews and take, but to say that I'm an active member of the body of Christ. I've been endowed with a gift from the Holy Spirit that's meant to be used for the building up of the body. You know, I'm not going to be a consumer. What am I? How can I serve? How can I love in this congregation? There just needs to be a massive mindset Mm -hmm. because the greatest generation post World War II that built all this stuff and they're standing on the on the backs of of others, we're not that. And we need to we need to as Christians repent of that passivity and that consumer mindset, that avoidance of personal responsibility, that abdication of responsibility, that avoidance of risk, and we need to walk with faith. In, in 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 the area of building and pioneering. Hmm. Very good. I agree. <laughs> good. <laughs> so we're back in agreement. We're All right. back in agreement. <laughs> well we 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 maybe we'll close and letting our uh, listeners know we got some exciting shows coming up. We do. We have uh, a series of guests coming up that we have no business no interviewing. Business. Yeah. I may so, have used a pseudonym to get those ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> As we were talking earlier about C.R. Wiley, we should reach out to C.R. Wiley, see if yeah. he'd come on. You know? Yeah, see if you would. I'd Glenn to, Sunshine. Yeah, Glenn Sunshine. I got his new book. Did you? Uh, 32 Christians Who Changed Their World. Nice. I haven't started it yet because uh, I got five other books on the go I'm trying to finish. He he came to our colloquium. He did. So And it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So he might uh he might be willing. But we have a series come up. Basically we've Jared and I have both thought that as we're listening to the conversation surrounding so called Christian nationalism or the relationship theonomy between Yeah, theonomy, the, the relationship between Christ and the state. These have been big issues. Unfortunately, I think people are jumping the gun oh, yeah. forming positions before yeah. they've really thought things out before anybody's even agreed on definitions yeah people are yeah the the uh the childish memeing's got to stop yeah come on guys well I, and, and <laughs> we think about the history of the church times of crisis have led to theological refinement yes and that's good so i think it's not bad that we are needing to learn things it's not even bad that people are disagreeing but no take take uh doug wilson and and scott annual who yeah. are having a kind of a back and forth right now that's healthy yeah, um, that particular one is. I think again. I think a lot of people still need to listen. Like yeah. they're 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 wrong and strong about these things, and you don't even like for all of us. We don't even know the questions we need to ask before listening. Right. This is why a wise person listens before he speaks, because it's not that we don't develop convictions, and it's not that we remain falsely <laughs> humble. Right. Um. But we need to make sure, especially in times of controversy, that we have understood the issue. Yeah. That we and have, we feel like we don't quite get it yet. Yeah, we don't quite get it. So we want to have a, a series of guests on. Should we say who they are? Or yeah. Just leave it? Yeah, well, we've got them lined up. So We've got uh, um, Stephen Wellham yep. going to come on. We're going to talk. I'm sure we'll end up talking about covenants and how, how they play a role in the yep. Old and New Testament. Uh, we've got uh, Dr. Joe Boot coming yep. on. We've got... I'd like to talk to him about nations. 
Right. Because that's a disputed, he's, he's done some fantastic work on the biblical mandate for nations, yep. the goodness of nations. Yep. And I've, all my life, nations, there's, I've seen, I've realized now there's a subtle undercurrent mm-hmm. that views nations as inherently wrong. Oh yeah, well that's that's what the UN is all about. That's what yeah. Canada being the first post nation state yeah. is all about, whatever that means. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's what open borders are about. Mm-hmm. There's an attempt to destroy the fabric of of nationhood. So we got those two guys. We've got uh, Jacob Rayom. Yeah. Uh, we've got um, what was the other one? There's Doug Wilson. We're going to have Doug Wilson on. So yeah. And Tim Stevens. And Tim Stevens, that's right, who just wrote a good article, apparently a good article. I haven't read it yet. So it is I, good. I got to get on that. Yep. So, yeah, lots of different points of view, and uh, hopefully we can begin to uh, begin the conversation. Yeah, our, our, our goal is to focus on things that are clear in Scripture in order to develop a consensus. Right. So not get tangled up into, in, into the secondary you know, kind of down in the weeds of... Yeah, it's like, how are you going to enforce this if you get you know, a Christian nation? You know, yeah, it's, it's like, like we're let's, not, let's, not even there yet. Let's start <laughs> with the fundamentals that we should all agree on. Yep. Let's develop some kind of consensus so that we're at least talking the same language here. Mm-hmm. And and look, who are we? But, but these guys have done in their own right, in their own way, a lot of thinking on relevant areas. So we just want to talk to them. We want to have a conversation... So be praying for that and um, be tuning in. We're going to be filming all those in June and uh, we'll probably get them out sometime after after that. But be praying for that and uh, for us and for those who we're going to speak with. Excellent. Well, I think we've said it all for we've now. We've said it all. Not bad for an impromptu yeah. episode, eh? We've got a good 35 minutes there at least. <clears throat> We'll leave you with this, as we always do. We look forward to the next one. But uh, until then, may he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. 